0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday! I'm Holly Fry, and I'm Tracy V. Wilson. So we talked about Madeline Pollard and William Breckenridge this week. Mm-hmm. There was lots of growling. There will be more. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, though. I I said during the episode we would probably regroup. Back on um, the spy that mm-hmm. uh, that Breckenridge had had hired, one of the books that I read about this trial went in a little bit more to Jenny's backstory. So uh, that was, of course, Jane Armstrong Tucker, and. She, too, I mean, was a woman. It's easy to make her a villain, to say that he hired a spy. This was not a person who was like, I will uh, dig dirt on people for money. She had, like, worked as, like, an administrative assistant-type role in an office, I think, of Breckenridge's or of one of his friends. And they kind of were like, we need a young woman of roughly the same age who could maybe you know, make friends with this person. And she was also from a family that had 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 financial difficulties. And so she is also in some ways kind of, I don't know if exploited is the right word, but she is a woman who was in a position where she couldn't really say no to this offer in, you know, from very powerful men. So Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure we acknowledge that like there are many layers to the awful privilege that is exerted in this story mm-hmm. um, d- pretty much everywhere you look. And she is one of them as well. There is a, a book published that is like the notes that Jenny kept about the whole thing. And it's kind of interesting because she, when you read about their relationship, I mean, she was stayed close with Madeline throughout all of this. Like she would go visit her as her friend. I'm using the air quotes. You know, as the trial was playing out, after she had left the the convent, which apparently one of the things that really just, like, was too much for her to handle was that they didn't eat very well. Um, mm. and she couldn't take it, but she, you know, would show up, and it was like she was still having heart-to-hearts, and she kind of suspected several times that Madeline knew what the scoop was and that she was, in fact relaying information back to Breckenridge, but they still kept this strange... Whether it was staged or genuine is unclear to all of the parties, I think. Um, This strange friendship, and that's just kind of an interesting rabbit hole, but it's all speculative in terms of who knew what and understood what and how they might have been manipulating one another. Boy, this story is an angry maker for me. Something I didn't get into is his kids and how this impacted them, because it did seem like... I mean, he is a complicated man because he clearly was in many ways a jerk. He also seemed to be a very loving and adoring father who was always worried about his kids throughout all of this, even though, like, they were kind of coming into adulthood, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he had been married well before he met her. Louise was his third wife. hmm The part where they were reading her writing as evidence <gasps> reminded me of the Reynolds pamphlet. yes, And how Alexander Hamilton was printing, like, Mariah Reynolds' letters to him as evidence of her, like, character. And that, like, her tone in writing. When we did that episode, there were people who got really upset that felt like I was making fun of her literacy. And really what it was that captivated me about her letters is the tone of them was like breathless in a way that uh, just seemed like constantly on the edge of like i don't know it's, there was a just a like a, a breathless energy to all of it but then he printed those letters complete with all of their like non-standard spelling And how embarrassing that must have been for her to, like, have that kind of dragged out to be like, well, here's evidence of what this person is like. I mean, can you imagine, you maybe don't have this problem as much as I do, but I walk in text. Can you imagine if someone just published your text history? Yeah, people would be like, Holly Fry is an uneducated ding-dong who does not know how to spell a single word had uh remember when that that when the bad art friend article came out and like went viral and that was all everybody talked about for about 48 hours i was like i really hope nobody ever subpoena's my group chats. right i don't need that yeah i it's it's awful and it it really is i mean again it also comes with this whole unsavory thing of making fun of people's earnest art, mm-hmm. which is just, like, one of those things that gets my hackles up anyway. hmm You know, those were not things she was writing ever thinking, like, oh, this will be read aloud in court. Yeah, and this is gonna be And picked apart one to day. determine whether or not I really mean to be a writer or not. Like, every single writer I know Published, unpublished, incredibly skilled versus, like, I'm pretty good, but I'm getting better. Like, every writer I know looks back at their older work and is like, yikes. yikes. Right? Because yeah. Because you're theoretically <laughs> progressing throughout. So, like, I would not want anything that I had not put out for public consumption. Oh, for sure. Suddenly thrust into the spotlight as a determiner of my value or my intent. Yeah. Holy smokes. The last time I moved, there was definitely like a trove of old notebooks I found that I was like, mm, "Destroying this right now, running all these pages through the shredder." Right? <laughs> How much fire can I make without it becoming <laughs> dangerous? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, the um I I am the one thing that gives me a little a bit of comfort in all of this is how women's groups really did mobilize very quickly to be like, they pointed out the problems with this. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like we're looking back with a lens and being like, there's a horrible double standard. People at the time were like, are y'all seeing this? Are you understanding that like, he went from claiming she was just promiscuous and that that made it okay for him to have an affair with her to saying that she was like some sort of, you know, vampiric temptress who was sucking right. the life out of him and taking all of his money and, and yeah. you know, that shift in tone even evidenced, like, he's a weasel. He's a weasel in this regard. And he's trying to weasel out of his weasely weaselness. Like, it, for many, a, a very big touchstone. Like I said, people, some people thought, like, oh, she really got, you know, run through the mill by this much older man who had all of the power. And other people were like, ooh, she's, ooh you gotta be careful. Don't, have sexual agency because that's bad yeah (laughs) it's a, a good lens to look at and think about how far we have and have not come as i often say when we discuss matters of social mores i am very glad that she went on to have a very fun later life yeah same same and had just like what sounds awesome she had a best friend she traveled around the world with They uh, I didn't go into it, but like in her travels, she was often like at the center of interesting things happening or like as you know, you know, like she was in Paris at the same time that like the salons of Paris were turning out like the famous writers uh, that, you know, we all think about like all of the expats that were living in Paris in the 20s and having this amazing life. She was there for a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So she really got to do some pretty cool stuff, which makes me happy. After the horrible situation she went through. yep. May we all find happiness and hopefully not have to go through horrible situations. But if we do, I hope there's happiness after that. This week on the show, we talked about unicorns, which was like a weird opposite of the platypus episode. (laughs) Yes! Because that was a real animal people thought was fake. Yeah, And this, uh, more of a mythical animal that various people thought was a real living, breathing thing. Yes. I mentioned that there is a fictional thing in pop culture that I wanted to talk about. And it's actually two things, but related to one thing, which is Futurama. Okay. Futurama had two different instances where kind of unicorn mythology made its way in. One is a very funny episode called Spanish Fry where the inhabitants of Omicron Persei 8 uh which is Lur if you've ever watched Futurama it's that that big giant slightly lizardy species that is very hilarious. Um mm-hmm. they believe that human horn is an aphrodisiac, by which they mean a nose. And so they steal Fry's nose at one point. And it basically is like the unicorn story, but just applied in a completely different context. And you start to realize pretty quickly what a silly thing that would be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the other is um, a much later story that they had when they, Futurama, for anybody that doesn't know, kind of like came and went was, you know, canceled and re-picked up and, like, Fox dropped it. I got picked up by Cartoon Network and then Comedy Central had it Mm -hmm. for a while. And they put out, at a point, like, a bunch of new stuff. And in one of them, there's this whole crazy time travel thing. But there is a narwhal... That responds really, really well to one person who we end up finding out is um, a main character that has time traveled, and her name is Mm Lilu. And it's like this idea of like only one person can connect with this animal, and and it is depressed until it meets this person and is loved in the proper way. And it's, I, both of them, I'm like, somebody loves unicorn lore on this show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Having been in. Elementary school in the 1980s. <laughs> I feel like that's prime overlap to be a kid really into unicorns. Yeah. I was definitely really into unicorns. I had lots of unicorn stickers. I had My Little Ponies. I had little plush unicorns, all of that stuff. And then that also meant that when Ringley Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus came through with that unicorn. Uh huh. Did you go? Oh, I sure did. My mom was like, you're gonna, you're gonna be disappointed. You're like, you're, you're gonna, it's not gonna look like you think it's supposed to look. You're gonna be disappointed. And I think I had even seen ads that showed it. And I still somehow thought that it was gonna be more like a horse and less like a goat in person. Right? It was not. It was a very, it was a goat. It was, (laughs) it looked like a goat. Yeah. And then of course, obviously there's the whole other animal rights conversation with the goats specifically in the circus more generally. But you know, I was eight, so yeah. I was disappointed. The big thing I recall from the 80s and unicorns is of course legend. Sure, yeah. Which is just in case any of our listeners don't remember or need a an update. That was Ridley Scott's movie that came out in I think eighty six. Um Tom Cruise, uh, Mia Sarah, and of course Tim Curry. Um, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And uh there's a lot of unicorn lore in that, and it is very beautifully shot, I must say. But like I think for a lot of kids in the eighties, that was also a big touchstone of like yeah, the the apex of how a unicorn should look and be on screen. Yeah. Gorgeous. There was also the film adaptation of The Last Unicorn, which was in 1982. I don't think I have ever seen that. Somehow that one got through my grate and I never, never got to it. As sort of just a weird uh, side note to all of this, the thing that had led me to be like, "Ah, I want to talk about this was the Lady in the Unicorn tapestries. We talked about that. So uh, I live in a house that is more than a century old. And our front door has needed to be replaced for the whole time that we have had this house. We've just had other things to do and also a pandemic going on. The, it does It is not, even with weather stripping on there, it is not effective at keeping the cold air out of the house. Um, and we have had some just bitterly cold weather over the last couple of weeks. And uh, as I was working on this, I was like, they always hung those tapestries on the walls and castles and things, try to keep the drafts down. Hey. I have spring rods. I have curtains that I have used in various, like, podcasting setups. What if I hung a curtain over the front door? And it was surprisingly effective. I have no doubt whatsoever. Uh, Especially because it was, like, a thermal curtain that I had gotten in uh, before we moved into this house. And, like, my old podcasting setup, it was what I used to to make the room less echoey. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly effective, so. Love it. If you, like me, have a front door that just really, it needs to go, we gotta, like, move that up to the to-do list. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you can make do for a little bit with a, you know, a curtain rod and some curtain. Yeah, we similarly uh, have had a lot of work being done on our house, just kind of some, one, some fun stuff that we wanted to do, but also, like, we had general maintenance that had been neglected and needed to happen. Um like our front porch was a hazard and had to be replaced. But our back door that goes to our deck, similarly a little drafty, like you could see underneath it if you were sitting on the couch. And so that was one of the things that we prioritized of like, hey, could you guys also add on the work order to put some fresh weather stripping in here and fix this? Mm -hmm. And they ended up putting in a whole new door and it's magical now to not walk past it and be like, Woo Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, and our uh, the weather stripping on ours like was professionally done. It's like the just the fit of the door is too bad for that to be a lot of help. Uh, so anyway, that's your update on unicorns and tapestries. Uh, if you want to send us a note, we're at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. Since this is Friday, hope folks are having a, a, good, a good weekend. As great as possible as your weekend can be. We'll be back on Saturday with the Saturday Classic and Monday with something brand new. You can get all of that if you just subscribe to the show on the iHeartRadio app, wherever else you like to get your podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.